Welcome. You are listening to a sermon presented at the First Church of Christ in Elkins, West Virginia. This message is given by pastor and teacher Jason Brandon. Jason will be selecting passages from the Word of God and showing us how to apply God's Word in our lives today. He will also be showing us why we need Jesus. How can faith, God, and the Bible have more influence in your daily life? What is God saying to us today? For this and more, stay tuned. If I were to ever write my own concept for a sitcom, it would be about being a locksmith because the fun stories from, from people getting locked out uh, and, and one, one of the stories that, that uh, one of my coworkers had, we did a lot of welfare checks, which is so-and-so hasn't been seen for a few days, locksmith picks the lock and lets the police in there to check on, on someone and so we had, and, and, you know, 50-50, it happens, 50-50, you get what I'm saying, right? Okay, so we had, we had one guy where my coworker Kelly, uh, he could hear through the door that the TV was going. People, unfortunately, pass away while watching TV. So uh, cracked the door open, and he could hear the TV in there, and he thought, I'll just stick my head in there I, for whatever reason. Sometimes, sometimes it's the family that contacts us, not the police. So sometimes the, the, the police aren't with us. And cracked the door open and looked inside, and he could see, you know, the, the armchair with the feet sticking out, and he th- kind of inched his way around and looked over there, and, and a guy startled and said, what are you doing in my house? And he said, Mr. Smith, you, uh, we're, we're checking on you. Uh, you had a, a doctor's appointment uh, and, and you missed it, and, and your family was concerned. He said, that doctor's appointment isn't until Monday. He said, Mr. Smith, it's, it's Tuesday. Tuesday? How on earth did it get to be Tuesday? And that became the running gag in our, in our store. Just randomly, somebody would just yell that out, and we'd all burst into laughter because it was just one of the funniest concepts. Now, we're going to bounce through different scriptures today. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 2. Uh, there is a question. There, there's no question. There's no question that this world has lost sight of the true meaning of Christmas. Um, Christmas is about, for most of the world, movie releases, uh, lights, certainly the biggest consumer shopping season of the year. Uh, We refer to Black Friday because that's when most stores get out of the red and get into the black and financially are stable. Every year we advertise Christmas earlier and earlier pretty sure that we're advertising Christmas before Halloween these days. But of course, I get concerned that Christians lose sight of Christmas, the true purpose. Now, I don't mean we sing the carols. We sing angels we have heard on high and the different songs, and we attend church. Our attendance looks good today. And and we focus on on the birth of the Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. But but I wonder if it gets tinged with bits of consumerism that have plagued us as a culture. This what's in it for me, the ones with the most stuff. When Inevitably around Christmas time I start getting phone calls of people who are on hard times. Many of them get exaggerated, and I know that they get exaggerated. We had a preacher that back in Illinois that... that got a call about a family, we don't have any money for Christmas, and he 
called up all the other churches, and sure enough, he, he did the math. He called the, the, the other churches and found out how much each church gave, and these people that, who didn't have any money for Christmas got thousands from hitting up all the different churches, and that unfortunately happens. And I certainly have had my calls this year. Somebody, if it, can the church give us some money? My kids won't have Christmas. You don't understand the definition of Christmas. Whether, whether your kids get gifts, December 25th is going to happen one way or the other. Christmas is coming. They're not going to wake up and say, Tuesday? How on earth did it get to be Tuesday? Yesterday was Sunday. I, we didn't have Christmas. We, didn't have the, we, we buy into this consumer mentality that Christmas is about the stuff and the gifts. And we as Christians can do that as well. I think we apply that to church. What, what church can give me the best music, the best Christmas program, the best sermon, the best kids program? You know, Shark, you guys have seen Shark Tank and Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and all these other shows that are about the person with the most stuff wins. These are the people that are successful because they have the most stuff. And the churches that give their members the most stuff are the most successful. That's the mindset of, of consumer Christianity. But that's not the example that God sets us. God gave us his son who gave us himself. And the example that Jesus Christ sets us is an example of giving and not taking. And I, by, I don't mean by that, well, so Jesus gives and I take. That's not, not what I mean. Um, Jesus gives and we are to follow his example of giving. I think that that's what the story of the Magi, the wise men in Matthew chapter 2, remind us. That our job as Christmas is not to soak it in, but to pour it out. Um, to give of ourselves. Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one? who has been born king of the Jews. We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Well, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. When he'd called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. And then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it was stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now there's some debate on whether or not this belongs in the Christmas story because we, we're terrible about making our nativities with 
the, uh, with, with the shepherds on the one side of the nativity and the wise men on the other. They didn't show up there. They, Jesus was in a house at this point. They didn't show up at the manger side. In fact, considering the fact that in the next passage we read that based on the time frame that the Magi told him, Herod killed all the kids that were two years and younger, all the boys, it absolutely is possible that the Magi came to Jesus's uh, uh, came to Jesus two years two years later. Um, this, my, my parents have this argument because my mom will set out the wise men and Dad won't let her put them next to the nativity. She has to put them on the other side of the room because um, they're on their way. And Dad will point out, well, they shouldn't even be there because it took them two years. And Mom's response is, those are the wise men that left two years ago. The ones for this nativity are only now leaving, and they'll be here in a in a couple of years. Where this is convenient, this is why January 5th is, the 12 days of Christmas start tomorrow. January 5th is the 12th day of Christmas. So because I'm running late this year, I told all my family I've got 12 days to get the gifts to you. Probably two years and 12 days if I'm going to be technical. But I've got, I've got at least the 12 days to get you your, your Christmas gifts. Having said that, gift giving is absolutely become a part of the Christmas tradition. And I like that. And I like the gift giving, and I, I, I enjoy that. And so it is a Christmas passage, as long as we extend Christmas to being like, you know, two years and 12 days or, or something like that. This Christmas, instead of focusing on what God gives us, I want to turn it around. This Christmas, let's focus on what we have to offer and on what we have to give. And so the first thing I want to talk about is my gift, your gift. Let's talk about your gift. We're in Romans chapter 12. Each of us has gifts we are to offer to God. And some will say, well, Jason, I don't know, I don't know what my gifts are. You know one. Paul says your first gift is yourself. Let's look at Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So your, first, your very first gift that everybody has is your own body. Um, that's, that's a gift that you can give God. That's a gift that you should give your God. You should give God yourself. Now, having said that, I think that that's one of the hardest things to give God is yourself. It's the first thing that we have to give, but it's hard to give of ourselves to God. Um, it, it, it's hard to get time, for example. I think in today's technology was supposed to give us more free time. Boy, that failed miserably. As bad as our computers were supposed to give us a paperless society. And that failed miserably. Every, every year, my receipts at the bank get longer and longer. I don't understand. They stretch this long. How is paperless society? I feel like I have less time than I ever did before. I know I'm not alone. Giving my time to the Lord is not easy. There are things that come up, and I think this would be a really good thing for me to do. This would be good for the church. This would be good for the kingdom of God. And I don't, I'm, bu- I'm busy. I'd like to do that, but I, I'm, I'm struggling with time. 
And time is tough. A little easier is money. If, if you've got some, it's kind of easy to put the money in the, in the plate and be done. I'm, not, I'm certainly not denigrating the offering. I think that the offering is very important. Um, but it, it's easy to kind of dismissively put money in the plate and, and then kind of walk away. But you can give your time and your money to the Lord and never truly give of yourself. Because you're more than your time and your money. You're deeper than that. What God wants is, is deeper than that. He wants more of you than just your time and your money. If he is to be Lord, he wants all of it. And, and that requires then that you don't get to stay you. It's a transformation that you are no longer you. You become like Christ. The old you is not sufficient not to follow him. Um, if he is to be the Lord, he gets you, your body, your mind, your desires. I know that's not easy. Your dreams, your love. We, we can fake Christianity with time and money, but we can't fake character. True character always comes out. Have we given God ourselves, our innermost being, who we are? And so, for example, let's keep reading in Romans 12, verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is in leadership, let him govern diligently. And if it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. God has given us all gifts. Um, and sometimes it's a struggle to figure out what we're good at and how we can use it for the church. I understand that. The, the word for gift, the Greek word that Paul uses here, is charisma. We know that word. People who are, who are charismatic are gifted. We use it socially, gifted, usually. Um, but charisma is the word for gift here. Uh, what's, what's interesting to me is that the root word of charisma uh, is charis, and charis is the Greek word for grace. And Paul hits this very much. It is by God's grace that we have gifts. By God's charis, we have charisma. Uh, in his grace, he has gifted all of us. They are because of his grace. They are in trust. They're not for our own benefit, but to be used for the glory of God. We, when we hoard his gifts, um, we don't bring him the glory that he deserves. We are called to use them for his glory. I think often we're happy to use our gifts, but when it's convenient, I got nothing going on today. Oh, you're in need. Well, that's a good thing. My show got canceled today. I can actually help you out. <laughs> that's often how we help other people, and that's that's. I'm not convinced that that's Christ-like. When we're, in fact, I know it isn't. When we're selfish and we keep our gifts to ourselves and we give people the leftovers, serving God is something that we do, um, even when it's inconvenient. 
because that's the example that Christ sets us. We have this consumer mentality, this what's in it for me, and it's hard to get past. It's just, it's prevalent in our culture. It takes a transformation to change our nature, to go from selfish to giving. The Magi came from a very long distance. If it took, I don't, we don't know when they left. We don't, it, I find it hard to believe that it took them two years to get from A to B. It's not an enormous part of the world, but, but maybe it took them that long. They certainly came from a distance. Uh, it was not convenient on, on them, and yet they came to offer gifts to the Christ. May we follow their example and offer God our best. Uh, whether or not it is convenient. Now, that's what I want to say about my gifts, your gifts. And now we talk about our gifts. Um, and, and towards that, we will get to, the, to, the, to a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But um, let, let, me, let me, before we get there, let me point out, we don't, there's a lot about the Magi that are very mysterious that we don't know. We don't know how many there were. Um, traditionally, we say that there were three, and I think tradition has named them as like Melchior and Balthazar and Casper or something like that. But the truth is, we don't know um, <coughs> uh, three gifts. Based on that, we often pick three. We you know, our nativities have also it's cheaper to have three nativities with just three little porcelain figures holding three gifts. It makes a whole lot more sense than than more. But it, but the truth is that the Magi presented the Christ child with more than gold and frankincense and myrrh. Before they gave him that, they gave him worship. And that tells us something, that worship is better than gold or incense or myrrh. It was the first gift they gave. It's something that we can bring to God. It Worship, it's, it's kind of like music, but it doesn't have to be music. Um, and, and I love solos, and I'm so grateful for, for those who bring their music uh, uh, to the church. Uh, thank, thank you for all of our musicians who, who perform solos. I like ensembles. I like, it. I like when we have our, our Christmas choir. Uh, we haven't for a few years. It's been harder to get, it's been, it's hard to get people together to, to do that increasingly. Um, I, I like bands. I, I've got some solo artists at home on tape, CD, vinyl. I listened to all three. Um, but I like groups more than solo acts. Um, and, and in the church, uh, uh, worship is a gift, and there's something about corporate worship that's just amazing. The image that we have in the book of Revelation is, is the entirety of heaven joined in, in worshiping together God on his throne. And it's a beautiful image. Um, one man or worshiping God alone is wonderful. It's great. History is, is full of people who stood alone in the face of, of evil to worship God. But the church worshiping together is bigger and greater. And that's something that we can bring together as, as, a, as a team. And I think that the important point is to bring it together. We, we live in a day when there is a lot of negativity against the church, against organized religion. The Bible describes the church as the bride of Christ. And we dare not toss the bride away too casually. Too many people say, 
well, I don't need to go to church. I can do all of this at home on my own just fine. I hear this all the time. I don't need to go to church. I can worship God at home alone. I can read the Bible at home alone. You can read the Bible at home alone, but if you don't understand it, there's no one to help you get through it. And while you, I guess, could sing songs at home alone, most people I talk with don't. That's, that's, and, and even if you do, it's individual worship, but the Bible gives us an example of, of corporate and church worship. I've never met a person who has grown spiritually at home without the church. We weren't, we weren't made for that. They might, reading the Bible again and again, grow in some level of knowledge, but wisdom and spiritual maturity? No, I've never seen that. We are called to stick together as a church. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing different spirits. Uh, distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of languages, and to still another, the interpretation of languages. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. And so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And, of course, he's not talking about biologies. He uses that as the example to talk about us, to talk about the church. We have different gifts, but they exist for the good of the body, not the individual. Um, that we, we, we've, had, we've had sickness on our mind a lot the last four years, and I spent the last week in bed with the flu. And, uh, and I am reminded, you know, we, you can take medicine to make some of the symptoms go away. But some of those symptoms exist for a reason. The purpose of, I can take medicine to drop the fever, but I'm convinced that when I do that, I stay sick longer because the purpose of the fever is to burn out the sick. I was sick for a long time until I finally remembered that I had bought some tea a while back that had cayenne pepper, turmeric, and something else in it. I started drinking that, and I was just sweating like a storm, and then I got feeling better because... Taking the medicines that dropped the fever 
Um, if all I care about is my head, yeah, I want the fever to go away. But that fever is to protect the rest of the body. Likewise, I can take various allergy medicines and cold medicines to dry up my sinuses. But those sinuses are running for a reason, and they're trying to get rid of the infection. And so we don't focus on just one part of the body. All the parts work in unison, and, and they have purposes. And, and if we only focus on one, if I only care about my head, I'm just going to co- keep popping migraine medicine and, and, and Tylenol and stuff. But you do that too much, and it's not good, is it? Because the goal is not just to keep my head feeling good, but all of me. Um, just as it is silly for an eyeball to roll off on its own, is a Christian without the church. Silly isn't the right word. We're meaningless, worthless. We need the church. Um, we exist for the good of the body. The church, we are a part of the church. The church, consumer mentality says, what am I getting out of the church? The Christian mentality says, what am I giving to the church? We are so focused today on what we can get out of it. Will our kids be entertained? Do I find the sermons interesting or, or maybe funny and, and not too long? And uh, Is the music my kind of music? All this emphasis on what we get out of it. And I'm not sure that we put the right emphasis on what we're giving to God. Which is why I'm against church hopping. There's always those people in town that every week they're in a different church. And for some reason they feel like they're gifting all the different churches with their presence. But what they're not doing is serving in a church. They're not planting in and helping the team out, being a part of the, of the community. We treat churches like restaurants. We bounce between our different favorites when the church is an awful lot more like a football team. Football teams have good seasons and bad seasons. Life has good seasons and bad seasons. Football teams have good seasons and bad seasons, but whether good or bad, the goal is to work as a team, dig in, um, and, and, and accomplish the goal together. And we're spo- the church should feel like a football team and you're a part of the team, not a restaurant that you are deigning to grace with your presence. The question is not, what am I getting out of the church? That's, that's the wrong question. Is this a church that I can grow? Is this a church that I can serve in and help others to grow? Is this a church where I can minister to others and, be, and, and with others? Um, or, as one of my elders in my previous church said, ask not what your church can do for you, ask what you can do for your church. And I, and I like that. I like that. It's a good... It's a good way, it's, a, it's, it's the healthy way of looking at the church. Why? Because we need you? Well, I mean, it's nice to have you here, sure. I don't want to say that we don't. You're appreciated and, and you've got a place here. But you need the church more than the church needs you. God will raise up ministers in this church. And you don't want to be left out when, when he's raising up ministers for his church. Your place is in his church. Uh, and while it would be great if it was this church, I may be clear that I, I believe in the universal church. Um, I, we'd love to have you in this congregation. I recognize doctrinally and a few other reasons that maybe this church isn't the perfect fit for everybody. As long as you're going to church somewhere, a, a church, I'm not talking about a cult or something like that. As long as you are in a church, I mean, that's good. We, we like it here. I stand behind the doctrine of this church and what we teach. And I think that this is, and I think for that reason, if no other reason, this is 
best church in town. Doctrinally I, think that, doctrinally, I think that we are as biblical as we can be, and if we're not, we'll talk about it. If you see something that you think we're off from the Bible, I'd love to sit down and talk about that. Our goal is to be biblical, um, but it, it's not about this congregation. It is about the church, and, and the church is not this church. It's the church, and you need to be a part of the church, the church that is the kingdom of God. I want to close... I think our closing hymn might be 187. I'm going to close with 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, starting with verse 7. Peter says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Living for God, use all of your gifts. Do it. Go all out. Give your best to God and to his kingdom. Christ came to show us that we are to give generously as he gave generously. Instead, we love to take, and the winner is the one who takes the most. Success is measured too often by the one who has accumulated the most when it should be the one who gives the most. This Christmas, let's remember that God gave and that he calls us to do the same. He gave us Christ. If you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, if you don't know what that means, uh, stick around after church. Let's talk. Uh, I would love to talk to you about what it means to be a Christian. Sometimes people just make this assumption. I guess I'm a Christian because I came to church. And that, but that's kind of like saying, well, I went out with this girl on a date. I guess we're married. It's a, a committed, the committed relate. There's a reason that the Bible compares the church to the bride of Christ. A committed relationship to God actually has a a few steps. They're not difficult, but just kind of like getting married has a few steps. I don't know that they were difficult, but although the wedding rehearsal might have been. But other than that, following Christ does take a commitment, and if you don't know what that means, if there's any confusion, stick around. Let's talk about that after church.